0: Welcome back to Box Out Bandit, where we're still alive. Uh, we've just been uh, really busy with uh, work and sleeping and all kinds of other stuff going on.
1: Celebrating my 30th uh, birthday.
0: Hell yeah. So we're, we've just been busy, busy, busy. But we've been catching up with the NBA. We've been watching, we've been enjoying ourselves. Uh, we've been talking a little bit, uh, but yeah, joining me as always, Mr. Jordan Christmas. Thanks for going, Jordan. It's been a while.
1: Yeah, it's uh, well, yeah, it's been about two or three weeks, but I had to celebrate a birthday. Uh, Chris is a big timer, social media manager for e <laughs> e-sporting company, so uh, you know, got some big boy stuff to do. The big thirtieth was uh, it was fun. Yeah, that's You, know, exciting, what I, man. you I get, know, you know I get what mine I did. Next year. What you got? I did absolutely nothing that's awesome
0: you can't, you <laughs> Plan- can't i planned
1: anybody. i planned to do nothing all i did was game with my friends and you know hung out you know obviously had a few adult beverages, and uh yeah just brought in the 30th that way it sounds boring but not to me i uh, i had i was completely fine just doing nothing and watching basketball a bunch of basketball uh the birthday weekend october 20 20- i'm on born on the 25th but uh on the 22nd i went and covered the uh king's home opener or they Very unfortunately nice. lost to the utah jazz my first game my first game that i covered since uh february of 2020 actually when i uh when the kings played the lakers and i saw lebron in person for the first time in my life which was a
0: isn't that an experience
1: it is an experience. He only had like 15 points, but he also had like 15 assists, and he had one of the most insane passes I've ever seen in person. Um, so that I still got the LeBron experience, and you know, just obviously being up close with all the athletes and all that stuff, including LeBron, was pretty wild. But uh, first game back was good. The season's good. Unfortunately, there was some bullshit that has been happening. It continues to happen. Across all sports, but uh, we should probably touch on that first before we get into our early takeaways yeah, of the season. So to,
0: to to kill the elephant in the room here, Jordan Watts, we'll you go and ahead. And it's not and it's not
1: Kareem Abdul-Jabbar dunking all over Aaron Rodgers and his stupid idiot Which anti-vax was, okay. rhetoric.
0: Can I just say? Can I just say? Every time something like this happens, I just wait for Kareem's written response.
1: Yeah, Kareem, man, you you know how kareem got the early rap in his career that he was a dick and all that stuff yeah and like you know i've seen i've seen early i've seen young kareem interviews and all that stuff there's actually a youtube channel that has all of like the lakers 80s stuff which is crazy and nostalgic i guess to look back on even though i wasn't born in the 80s it has that you know vhs tape feel and all that stuff but like the dude was seven f- the dude was over seven feet tall. he was black in a what predominantly white country in the eighties where it was infinitely more racist than what it is now, even though we're still living in this time and um I could understand why he was uh you know a little reluctant to you know express himself through the media, but nowadays anytime he gives his thoughts on something it's thoughtful he's he's always been intelligent, he's seen a lot of stuff. But anytime you get the wrath of Kareem, I always uh I always listen and Kareem just, you know, dunked and him. crossed over everything all over Aaron Rodgers, who is uh uh but that wasn't what we're gonna talk about. <laughs> There's more well, it's
0: on the floor, man. Go for it.
1: <laughs> okay. So it's a little bit late, um, although I guess three days old is considered late in today's day and age, but um the ESPN report on Robert Sarver and Phoenix Suns owner Robert Sarver and the toxic culture that he has festered in the organization uh, dropped on Friday from Baxter Holmes. He sp- he spoke with over 70 employees. A lot of them were anonymous sources. Two went on record. It was, uh, I I can't remember the other name, but I know former head coach Earl Watson was on record Mm -hmm. talking about multiple instances of Robert Sarver using the N-word a lot. Um, using, uh, basically being inappropriate in terms of, you know, toxic work culture towards women, particularly female employees, um, being inappropriate like one anecdote was showing a photo of his wife in a bikini allegedly by the way this is i have to be journalistically responsible here and say that it's alleged even though a lot of the stuff we read in this story you're going okay yeah that doesn't surprise me given what we already read and heard from sarver about him about him as a person and all that stuff um allegedly showed a picture of his wife in a bikini passed it around to to co-workers which he did confirm that that happened but it was in a different context he was saying that it was in a brochure and all that stuff um there was multiple counts of earl watson bringing up examples of sarver using racist terms or you know being a racist whether it was flagrantly or subtly and somehow robert sarver didn't remember those instances but conveniently remembered other instances that dated back 20 years ago and confirm them which is you know playbook 101 and sure. really none of it was surprising um it did trigger me a little bit because you know i i am black i grew up in bakersfield which is a predominant i grew up in the predominantly white part of bakersfield i grew up in uh you know the rosedale area which is you know sort of middle class i went to a predominantly white high school and all of these Phrases, racist terms, and all that stuff that he said. I have heard most of them, or a facsimile of them, growing up. Went from basically middle elementary school, fifth grade, all the way to basically until I left Bakersfield. (laughs) Like, till I left Bakersfield when I was like 1920. And look, it's we're probably miles away from Sarver being ousted as an owner and the NBA is doing an investigation and stuff but it's it's just really insane what billionaires will do to protect other billionaires because like I said none of this is surprising all the allegations that were brought forward not just, you know, from a race from a racial standpoint but also from a gender standpoint, from a workplace environment standpoint and it just was swept under the rug i think people will obviously compare sarver to Dar- to a donald sterling and his situation but the only reason sterling got ousted was because he was actually caught on tape i mean there's yeah. mounds of evidence before that that sterling was an awful human being and just one a terrible owner but also just a awful human being in general and this time we just heard him on that time we just heard him on a recording we don't have any Visual or recorded evidence, Sarver did say that Sarver did categorically deny the allegations and said that he would fully welcome an NBA investigation. He called Baxter Holmes' reporting pretty much a sham, which is the move. And I'm sure people will be bootlickers and try to defend the billionaire and say that. The reporting wasn't done done right or is false reporting, which usually those people don't understand how journalism works and how those those type of stories work. Um, Obviously, it was being vetted through lawyers and all. There's a whole arduous process that I don't even know about. And I'm in the journalism industry, journalism adjacent with radio journalism also um, in going through journalism school in Humboldt. And there's a lot of stuff that I don't know. I'm never gonna reach Baxter Holmes's level as a reporter. There's just a whole long process that goes through this. So it was obviously vetted and thorough, and there's people on record. But this it's just gotta it's as a Phoenix Suns fan, it's just gotta be discouraging, especially because a lot of that area is predominantly Mexican American some first generation, second generation. There's a few cool stories written about that and how Devin Booker has embraced his Mexican heritage and all that stuff and realizing his importance to the Suns community. And so just all that wrapped into one. It's just, it's, I wouldn't disheartening would be too easy of a word to use. Non, not surprising is also unfortunately too easy of a phrase to use, but I'm just, it. it Over the last five years, pretty much, I've just, I've grown tired and it's all numbing. I mean, I grew up with this shit growing up and it's still going on. And I have to say, man, it's just, it's, it's, it's really annoying. And, um, and that's obviously too light of a phrase, but none of it's surprising.
0: It's, it's, it's not, it's hard to say disappointing because it's not a surprise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you can't be disappointed if you didn't expect this to begin with. Which you know, I, I think you're lying to yourself if you don't if you don't think that the white owners of a, a basketball team are racist in some way. Yeah. Um But you know, it. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to what to what to add because it's just it's it's sad to see, and like. Unfortunately, there's probably not a lot that the NBA can do legally, or like is it's kind of in a bind because there's no hard evidence, right?
1: Right, um, a lot of
0: a lot of he said she said.
1: Yeah, it's not like there's no. I don't know if there's like a paper trail with like you know John Gruden's emails and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, w- there's countless examples of Sarver just being a terrible owner. Watson also in the story talked about like you know, his contract or possibly bringing him back for another year when he uh, signed his contract to become the coach and Sarver wanted Watson to get rid of Clutch, who um, also represented Eric Bledsoe, who was the Phoenix Suns point guard at the time. There's just all kinds of, it's all kinds of crap that's going on. And it just goes to show you why Phoenix has been a terrible organization. If it wasn't for Steve Nash or, um, you know, obviously now they have this good team now, it's they the sons would be the laughing stock of the nba um and just not even from an owning a team standpoint but just having someone like that in charge of you know players that are predominant players that are mostly they're black and black employees and you know black front office workers like there is one anecdote of one of you know the higher-ups in the phoenix front office making fun of a black son's employee telling him to dance like carlton which i have also experienced because carlton is considered quote unquote and you know quoting from colin kaepernick's new special the acceptable negro among white people because carlton dresses like them and looks like them it talks like and the front office guy made fun of the black employee it's just all stuff that's one not only infuriating but also just where is you know The lack of the lack of HR, how it was basically seen as a bad thing to go to HR and employees warning other employees not to go to HR. I don't understand how you can function in that environment. And now it's interesting that Chris Paul is in this situation again, Again? because, you know, obviously he was the point guard for the Clippers when Sterling took over. So I don't know what's going to happen over the next few weeks. But I mean, if you just look at this report. In like you like we've said, none of it's surprising.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised with any of this. Um, again, it's to say disappointing is an incorrect statement because it's not. It can't be disappointing if you see it coming, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just something that like we should be better than this.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but we're not. I mean, we're still in it. We're still in a country where you know police are still shooting unarmed black men there is a clear um there is a clear anti-vax rhetoric going on that is also keeping us in this pandemic despite the fact that science has disproved every single one of the anti-vax points you know debunk them thoroughly and then there's people who are not anti-vax but spit anti-vax rhetoric that type of stuff you know they just don't fully commit to their bit and then there's, of course, everything else that's just going on in the world. It's just really, this world is stupid right now. And, <laughs> like, I don't I don't know, man. I, I just, what can I say? Like, there's smarter people than me that have broken this down way more thoroughly than I have. I mean, how many other more ways can we say, like, how many more situations can we have, first of all? And also, how many more ways can we say that? this guy's an asshole and a racist asshole. Like, I don't. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing
0: else to say on it. Like, he's just an asshole.
1: Yeah. And just
0: a piece of shit.
1: And it's amazing that in that story, the, one of the son's employees was quoted as saying, like, despite going back to the finals for the first time since 1992 or 93, the 93 finals, when, uh, Sir Charles was, leading the helm they sons go back to the finals for the first time since 1993 and somehow the morale is as low as it's ever been like i just can't imagine working in that type of environment like, i God, it's it's stupid man yeah i'm with you but i'm with you man. but anyway we should uh talk about some fun stuff because <laughs> now i'm just getting upset and depressed over this bullshit you know
0: yeah i'm with you so
1: no easy transition from that but no
0: let's reset gears here and say first off what a crazy fucking year this this nba season has gotten off to
1: um yeah so far
0: a lot of surprises a lot of um yeah mainly surprises like the do you do you have a biggest surprise for you?
1: Um my biggest surprise actually would be the fact that the Cleveland Cleveland Cavaliers I think are gonna be a, a good team. Now um are balling. I think the Colin Sexton injury is gonna hurt them. Um and that's gonna set them back. Obviously, I think the Cavs were gonna come back down to earth at some point, but I think before the season I have them as, you know, scraping in for the play in. I had Evan Damarell on my podcast a few months ago, and we talked about projections for the Cavs, and they have the goal of wanting to win to get into the play-in, and we're like, they have a bunch of talent, but I don't know if a play-in works, but um it's worked so far. And when they when the day JB Bickerstaff decided to go with big ball by starting mobley evan mobley. Big, ball. <laughs> <laughs> big ball you know and you know obviously as a sixer fan i was first i was front row seat i was i had front row seats to seeing a big ball lineup that was a fucking disaster <laughs> and sure. so i was kind of apprehensive about it but the lineup of Lowry, Jared Allen, and Evan Mobley. Now Lowry Marketing's been out for the last uh, three games, so it's been a Dean Wade starting. Um, but I've really enjoyed watching the Cavaliers. It's bigs that can do different things. Jared Allen is a way better passer than what he showed in Brooklyn, especially on the short roll. But I have to talk about Evan Mobley because yes, I have like to I, I have incredible. to admit when we talked on this podcast a few months ago about Cade versus Mobley and I said that it's a 60-40 chance, 40% chance that Mobley could be the best player in the draft, I should have committed to the full I should have committed fully to the take because I love I love big men, especially big men who show immediate a floor in terms of one side of the ball or the other. I yeah. as the guy who had Joel Embiid number one on his board when he was coming out of the draft and you know, liked Anthony Davis. I might be out on James Wiseman soon. We'll see. Um but I am disappointed I just in myself. I I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't fully commit to Evan Mobley being the best player in this draft because I think if you get a special big like that, then I mean you could get the best version of Cade Cunningham it will be an all-star, right? But you can find Cade Cunningham's. Um, Cade Cunningham might not reach his ultimate ceiling as a top 10 or whatever player. Mobley has a chance to be a full-stop tier one franchise player he is the reason that that Cavs big lineup is holding together he is already showing he's a good passer his defense is already there like it's already there he is the best defender him and Allen are the two best defenders on that team but Mobley is holding that thing together and with Garland finally coming along because you know he started he struggled a little bit out of the gate the last five games or so he's been really good um I really like this Cavs team, man. And to me, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley are one and two respectively for rookie of the year, and Mobley has been extremely impressive. And uh, the Cavs are the biggest surprise to me so far. I didn't expect them to have this kind of record at this point.
0: Same. I I didn't expect them to be a threat when they play like whenever they play a like a playoff team or like a team that I think is gonna gonna do really well in the playoffs like I'm just like oh the the Cavs are that's like a tough game and yeah. I didn't expect to have that expectation
1: I mean I'm sure you saw I mean you saw the Cavs play the Lakers like they were in that game in the fourth quarter until you know they moved on until, <laughs> until the Lakers decided to move Anthony Davis to the five and run spread pick and roll with LeBron and over and over and it was over um you just defend,
0: no one in the nba can defend that like it's not that's not like a defensible play <laughs>
1: and yet they decided to start deandre jordan and dwight howard but we'll get to the lakers later <laughs> uh, uh, so but uh yeah man i i really like this Cavs team and even if you know sexton eventually leaves down the road and jared allen leaves down the road the Cavs have the backbone of their roster set they have their franchise point guard in their franchise center and when mobley adds on like 20 to 25 pounds holy shit man like look out (laughs) like this dude is so good already really good like every year the rookie classes have impressed me like this rookie class is really really good and Cade Cunningham barely has barely played just came back a few games ago Jalen Green still trying to find himself but like to me like through the first 10 games my all NBA rookie team right now would be Scotty Barnes Evan Mobley Franz Wagner, Josh Giddy, and Chris Duarte on the uh on the Pacers. I think those have been the best rookies so far. Um, they're all playing significant roles. But then that doesn't even account for Davion Mitchell, who is the best perimeter defender on the Kings, and it's not even close. Or uh Corey Kispert getting minutes for the seven and three Washington Wizards. <laughs> um I've been so it's the Cavs and the rookies for me.
0: Yeah, I, I was gonna bring up the rookies. To me it's a thing of I knew I knew Mobley was gonna be really good. I I was like a very I my thing is I still believe this. I still think that Mobley should have gone second and like I don't know what the Rock I think the Rockets made a huge mistake, dropping taking Jalen Green. I that said that yeah. said, and this is more speaking to Mobley than it is speaking to Green. Jalen Green has very much impressed me as well. Yeah in terms of his natural ability to score. And I didn't think well, that, that step be able back to he score. hit
1: against the, uh, the Lakers and crunch. He had a few step back threes, but that one yeah. where he hit over Anthony Davis, where the yeah. ball hit the oh Raptors, that was disgusting.
0: Yeah. Like, the moon ball.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a more apt way to put it. A moon ball for sure.
0: He literally. Yeah. So to me, like he has impressed me and completely shifted
1: my mind of like where he is as a player.
0: That's it. I still think the Cavs made a mis- I still think the Rockets made a mistake by taking him over.
1: Oh, I Evan agree. Mobley. I agree. Oh. They should have taken Mobley. I mean, yeah. I mean, fuck Christian Wood if it means getting Evan Mobley. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so I mean, again, I, 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 and I don't want to turn this into like a him versus them kind of debate, but like I, that 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 mistake is now a lot. Uh. I can forgive that mistake a lot more now that I've seen Jalen green play like this. Right.
1: Yeah. Especially. Um, yeah. I mean, you just can't teach I, that type of athleticism and bounciness and fluidity by the way.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I'm, again, it, it's, I'm happy with where that's at. And then again, the thing with Cade, he hasn't played a ton and yeah, he's he has had an ankle in injury. It. Yeah. He's, he's getting into his flow, but it, I don't know how many, how much you've watched him. He does stuff like once or twice a game where you're like, okay here here's why well, i think he's, he's- only played oh, two okay.
1: games and one of them was against the sixers so i've watched half of the cunning hand game cunning yeah. game so far <laughs> so like
0: he, he has he does something like once or twice a game where you're just like oh that's why
1: yeah he he he, it- he knows yeah he was uh he was getting it he was getting to the rack against us and you know whenever he had a smaller guard on him it was a mismatch and he would just post up um the three-point shot is still off but i think that's because of the ankle injury still working his way but yeah you're right
0: yeah it's just stuff where it's like oh i like under- i get it now i understand mm. right like it makes sense to me why he's here and why he you know was the number one pick or whatever right
1: mm. and again
0: like we've both been big believers in him as, as a
1: player and probably me
0: so more so than you I don't, i'm not entirely sure where you stand him but i anyway, thought he was he... the best
1: player I, I thought he was worthy of the number one pick i really liked mobley yeah. Probably just not afraid of, you know, draft nerds coming after me. But I really thought Mobley, if they, if the Pistons took Mobley one, I would not have, you know, no, ripped him or have anything been,
0: like that. Yeah. I wouldn't have been flipped. Um, to me, it's, to me, the the line between Cade and Mobley was so close. It just depended on what you needed as a team, at least mm-hmm. in my mind. Yep. Um, but yeah, so then there might was a surprise. And then, it's kind of a toss up to me because I knew both of these teams were going to be good. I didn't think they were going to be this good this quickly. And it's the, it's the Warriors and the bulls. Yep. Bulls it, yeah. Shock me. And like, I knew the bulls were going to be fun to watch. Well, the Warriors haven't knew...
1: shocked me, but the bulls, I'm with you.
0: Yeah. Like I, I like I knew, Hey, they're going to have, they're going to be fun. to Like the bulls are going to be fun to watch. They're going to be, like, and they're still the most fun team to, in my mind to watch. Like, they're so fun to watch right now. Um, but they are they are smothering people defensively. They're getting, they're active defensively. Um, they're communicating well. Like, and they're just getting out and running. And it's so much fun to watch. And DeMar DeRozan is flipping the script on everyone saying that that was a terrible signing.
1: Yeah. I wasn't one of those... I I mean we've talked about it. I like the Bulls offs. I love I love the Bulls offseason. You could even I oh, can yeah. even tell you I loved the Bulls offseason. I just wasn't sure I was all gonna fit together. But I've always been a DeRozan fan, even when people were like, "Oh you Oh DeRozan, all he does is take mid range and all that stuff." And I don't know about like. I feel like a lot of people weren't watching San Antonio games last year. And look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you the whole catalog of Spurs games that I watched over the last two years DeRozan was on. But if he watched games like DeRozan was a he turned into an awesome playmaker. And by the way, Mm -hmm. the mid range is still real. Analytics only tell role players basically not to take the mid range like DeMar DeRozan is way above that he's been one of the best in the NBA for a long time and he's buoyed a bunch of Bulls lineups that have gone stagnant at times during games like whenever Lonzo can't get it going or whenever Levine shot is off for a few possessions in a row they dump the ball to DeRozan and they tell him to go make a play and nobody can guard him in that area like we played the Sixers played the Bulls twice and every time DeRozan had the ball in crunch time I was I was terrified because you know like in crunch time he would he could get shots off any in any kind of way and still make it but the Bulls have been really impressive. Uh, Vucevic has been playing like trash though. Like he's been playing yeah. like Grego o- Oyster Tag. Like <laughs> that's how bad <laughs> That's how bad he's been playing. Like he he has been bad from 3. He's been bad. At, he's been bad at the rim. He he's just been really bad. And so once he gets it going, like I, the Bulls will probably their offense will obviously increase a little bit. But yeah, the Bulls' start has surprised me so far. I'm more surprised by the defense. Um, the I bat- told
0: you, man, their defense is going to be dirty.
1: I I thought they would be middle of the road because Levine's a terrible defender. Vooch is a terrible defender. Well, he's not a he is a vooch is not a switching big he's a drop coverage big when it when it's shown this year like i when i watched the bulls jazz game whenever the jazz got vooch on a switch it was food um but uh yeah they're somehow sustaining and alex caruso like though th- that closing lineup of levine ball caruso whoever you want to put now in that spot where patrick williams is now gone whether it's Jalen green or io de sumo um and Vooch, that's a good closing lineup, even with Vooch playing like trash. But like you, I've l lo- I've loved watching the Bulls this year. They're one of my favorite teams. Uh they've been one of my favorite teams to watch, aside from the Cavs. I've actually I've had a lot more fun watching the East than the West. Yeah,
0: the East has been way more fun. The the West has been really volatile.
1: It's been We're volatile like... and I wouldn't say boring, but there's just um there's just a lot of teams trying to figure themselves out, and teams also playing bad basketball that I'm. It's just terrible to watch. I have yeah. loved watching the Warriors though. Like the Warriors, so oh, yeah. yeah.
0: It they 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 have their spacing figured out. Everyone's kind of gelling and figuring out where they're supposed to be on the floor, and like the, everyone's everyone keeps bringing up like the idea of like oh Clay's going to come back and Wiseman's going to come back. Clay coming back is fine. And I think like that's going to do a lot for their offense. Cause it's 60%. Beat.
1: I don't care if clay is 60%. Like adding yeah. him to this team is going to be nuts. It's yeah. I'm it's not worried
0: about clay. Like I'm not worried about clay and his ability to fit into this offense and fit into where he needs to go. My concern is more with Wiseman and seeing how, if when you try to work Wiseman into what they're doing offensively, does it mess with their flow?
1: Should have taken a
0: That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just think Wiseman is an awkward fit in, like, in terms of, like, how they play. And, like, if you do, if you put him in, like, the Kevin Looney role, like, yeah, you're you're trading, you're kind of trading upwards there a little bit. But also, it, it he becomes someone that you need to feed or someone that you need to, like, Kevin Looney, you don't need to get him in the ball. Like, he's going to be in there and, like, you know, stay motivated because he's just that kind of guy. That's probably does his Wiseman, best role. But... Yeah, does Wiseman? Does Wiseman stay motivated as a player and, def- and locked that's in defensively? That's my worry. If you don't get him the ball, well,
1: and that's that's, a, that's my worry because, like, where, how, what else in his offensive game is he going to develop if he is stuck in that role? Right? Because that's like, what I'm saying. That's his i. That's his that's his ideal role, right? But this is the problem when you draft a big who. Look, I understand he played only three games of college and all that stuff um but he has like no trademark discernible skill like he's has no passing feel he has stone hands he can't catch the ball he's very athletic he'll have displays of incredible athleticism right like last year when he had that behind the back dribble into a dunk or I think it was against the Pistons like they'll have athletic feats like that but his shot doesn't, his shot is, it, it's an okay in terms of form, but it's kind of like a slingshot. Like he, it's like a catapult. Um, yeah. it's, it's, I just don't see any discernible skills from Wiseman. And I understand he didn't play. He his season got cut short because of injury, but I still would have liked to see something like with Evan Mobley, you see something immediately. Anthony Davis wasn't an offensive player when he got into the league, but you saw I mean, something he was immediately. He shots like
0: a motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, you saw something
1: immediately. Joel Embiid, I mean, we don't need to go there with that, right? Like, we all know what he did in his quote-unquote rookie year. But sure. even if he played in his real rookie year, he was a monster defensively at Kansas and was f- rapidly developing his offensive game. I haven't seen anything from Wiseman. No defensive feel, no offensive feel. I just don't know where he fits with this team, and I'm just thinking like I they could want, have had Lamelo.
0: Yeah, I don't want to blame Wiseman either because it's not his fault.
1: Yeah, I don't, no, I yeah.
0: don't. This is just an awkward fit. I don't think it's anyone's fault to be honest. I think it, it's just an awkward fit all the way around, and I don't. Well, know how I,
1: I do kind about. of blame the Warrior. Yeah, you have to blame the Warriors front office for yeah missing. Okay, him. that's fair. because. There was, some, there was also, I don't know if it's confirmed or not, but there was rumblings and whispers and rumors from different people covering the team that, you know, Steve Kerr, of course, had issue with LaMelo's father, Lavar, um, and all this stuff. Now, this is just rumors and all that stuff, but it was very clear that there was something that the war, or a lot of things the Warriors didn't like about LaMelo. And it turns out LaMelo's just a good kid who is a teenager who acts like a teenager he wears banana colored jump or trench coats with to match the lamborghini color <laughs> like, yeah. like to, be, well,
0: to be fair if i had money i would match my clothes to all the. oh clothes. yeah dude
1: i would be stunting. <laughs> i'd be stunting if i had the <laughs> type of money that nba players had no i'd be there'd be no shame in my game um and but the warriors apparently had issues with that and i'm like you, Lamelo would be so perfect for this team. Some of and I didn't, if he was on this team, he some of the crazy shit we see him try in Charlotte, where he's experimenting with these passes and stuff. It, he would be trying even more shit with this roster. Could
0: could you imagine? Could you imagine fast break running down Lamelo and on one side Steph, on the other side's Clay? What do you do?
1: Yeah, or not even. What do you do? Not even just. Not even just without Clay. Like look at this Warriors team now. He would be. They would be darting passes everywhere. But uh, yeah, back to the Warriors. I'm not really surprised that the team is winning this many games already because I just saw what they did in the offseason. They added IQ. They added passing. Like, we, I remember last year we were talking about somewhat that Kerr wasn't going to adjust his system or whatever. And... His system really needs IQ players and good passers and they got back Iguodala, they got back Bielitza, who is big for them. There he's like a really big bench player and that was a signing that I loved the minute it happened. Um Otto Porter Jr. and <laughs> Jordan Poole would takes another leap from his improved play last year. Like there I'm not the Warriors to me, are a contender right now. I think they're playing the best basketball, clearly, out of anybody in the West. They will have some problems in the playoffs. I wonder where the isolation scoring is going to come from. Aside from Steph, my buddy George brought up a good point about that yesterday. Like, who do you who would you trust offensively in the playoffs? Because Iggy's too old, Draymond shoots with a backpack, um, and uh, Clay, we don't know what he's going to be yet. So we'll find out. But the Warriors are a contender for sure. They can come out of the West. They, I think I would trust the Suns and the uh, Warriors right now if we got to the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment.
1: All right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna seed. I'm gonna seed this next this next segment to you because I want to hear what excuses slash analysis you have for <laughs> for your for your <laughs> Los Angeles Lakers. Um, and, you know, we don't have to talk about my team. Uh, well, we can later because there are some surprises with me, but Joel Embiid is now on the COVID protocol list because that's just how Sixers and Philadelphia sports goes. I'm glad I'm not a fan of all Philly teams and just the Sixers. Um But that's just how the luck of the draw goes for the Sixers. Something goes right for two weeks and then, boom, four players on the health and safety protocol list. Um, But what's going on uh, over there in Tinseltown blowing a 19-point lead and a 26-point lead, respectively, to the tanking Oklahoma City Thunder? Some, Some, like Zach Lowe, had the Thunder possibly within earshot of breaking the nine and 73 <laughs> the nine and 73 uh or the yeah the the 10 and 72 76ers or the charlotte bobcats all-time worst winning percentage because again yeah. they, that happened during the lockout so they went by winning percentage um what's going on over there in a uh, town uh
0: so it's weird and again i don't want to make excuses because they play like Garbage, and I think it's. I'm first off. Let me say this: they're bad right now, right? Like they're very bad, and it's. It's. I'm not doom and gloom or overly concerned at this point because of the rash of injuries we had leading up to the, like leading up to the start of the season, like we were without four or five rotation guys in the first week, so I don't fully blame. Vogel, but I there is a concern of like some of the rotations that we're seeing and like some of the stuff, and I understand it's early in the season, so he's trying a ton of stuff. And this is, I always say, like, yeah, if you're going to experiment, like now is the time where, like, when the games don't really matter, it's t- like now is the time to experiment, and especially when we don't have all of our pieces. Like, yeah, let's see what kind of lineups there are Not out there. Not to cut you oh. off,
1: but I' pretty sure he's experimented enough with starting a center next to Anthony Davis like it's oh been God. a year I, and I'm a so, half now i'm so <laughs> like, done with
0: that i'm so done with that and it's a thing that like i'm talking about the lineups like to me there's like this is this is kind of the, you're getting to the point that i was getting to where like i'm totally happy with him experimenting with different lineups and seeing who works and what fits and like riding the hot hand or whatever it is right like totally fine my thing is like there's clearly lineups that don't work that you're still going back to Right, and it's the it's the twin tower setup with Anthony Davis that doesn't work or it doesn't work for long stretches, right? It works in spurts. And the the most egregious one that he keeps going back to, and it's the it's the it's the lineups that made us lose the leads to the Thunder, it's the Westbrook Rondo lineups.
1: <laughs>
0: Why? Uh, How does I, that make sense? How Look, does Westbrook how does a Westbrook lawn how does a Westbrook Rondo lineup make sense?
1: A Westbrook Lonzo lineup would make a bit more sense. Right? Yes, no,
0: but a, a Westbrook Rondo lineup does not make any sense whatsoever. And he's slowed down on it. Thank God he's realized that like this is fucked up and I don't like why am I doing this? He's realized that. But I my main thing is I want to I actually do like the I I do like that LeBron got hurt early, where because the first couple games with LeBron, Westbrook looked like he was having a lot of timid uh, nature, kind of finding his flow and finding where he belonged on the offense and in the team. So he was being very timid and not playing Westbrook basketball. And then he had a couple games where with LeBron out, he was really starting to find a flow. And then obviously with Westbrook, you'd live and die with, you know, you live, you live and die with Westbrook. So it's a kind of thing Mostly of like... Mostly
1: die, but yeah. Yeah,
0: like, look... I, I do want to point out, like, there's a lot of stuff that he did in that second OKC game that were like really good. Like, he was playing really good defense. He was rotating. He was being active, active hands in the passing lane. He was making a lot quarter. of he made a lot of jumpers. Like, he was the reason why we had that 19 point lead to begin with. But he's also the reason why we lost it.
1: Right. <laughs> yep.
0: And like, it's a thing of of you have to take the good with the bad. And when Le- when LeBron's out. Like, when LeBron's out, this is why we got Westbrook, right? To carry the load when LeBron's not in there. And so we can rest and kind of manage some of the, these minutes a lot better. And he hasn't done that yet. And again, I I want to give him time because it's been two weeks. And it's been, you know, sort of a weird uh, a weird transition period where we don't have our full lineup. So I want to see... Getting Wayne Ellington back was huge in that Thunder game. He was... They, they made a concerted effort over the last couple of games to get Wayne Ellington the ball and get him into a shooting rhythm. And again, we lost the, t- we lost a lot of lead that way too, of like force speeding Wayne Ellington the ball. But like, yeah, that's, a, that's something you do to like get a shooter in rhythm. Like you just do it. Like who cares about these early games? Now that said, there needs to be a certain point where they turn it on and I'm waiting for it. But I, I, a lot of what they're doing, at least from like a micro level looks like experimentation and I'm fine with it for now. It's just a matter of okay. Once we get Nunn back, once we get Tht back, I think Tht is kind of like the main piece because he was supposed to be like a major ro- like ro- rotation guy for us. And so without him, I he got a, apparently he got a ton of run in our practices and all of the training camp stuff. So he losing him was a huge deal at least early on. And so yeah, I think once we get him back, he's clear for contact now. So it should be maybe a couple weeks, and then we get LeBron back. And once we get everyone and our ducks in a row and we can set rotations, then I'll judge this team. But as of now, we're garbage, we're trash, and we need to figure out sort of what the direction is for the rest of the year. So this this, this first month, I'm sort of taking as like, a, okay, I'm just flushing it down the toilet, and hopefully we, we pick it up later on. Okay. Is that a measured enough take?
1: Yeah, uh, I think you're going a little... I, I agree with what you're saying most of it. I think you're going a little... Too lenient on your team because I do think at the end of the day, like you have to also take into account how one the lineups with Westbrook, LeBron, and Anthony Davis have looked, and then the different combinations of the three. Right? So like, well, the Westbrook and Anthony Davis, Westbrook and Anthony Davis by themselves, LeBron and Westbrook by themselves.
0: All three lineups. The first couple games were really bad. Then then when Lebron went out and Westbrook started to like find a rhythm and then LeBron came back for like the two games before he got hurt, they looked really good in those lineups together. It's and just no- a matter of it's it's Westbrook being Westbrook, right? And I don't I don't know if he's scared or it's the same thing that kind of happened in Houston. Remember remember in Houston he was garbage for like the first half of the year and then he finally figured out like, oh, this is
1: what it yeah, is he had doing a with a great team. two months when uh Maury decided to not go with centers.
0: Yeah and so then they're like oh this is what i should be doing and so like to me it's just a thing of like you got to figure out with westbrook you have to figure out where he fits
1: well also I, it it goes back to a major point that i have and i don't want to hear any more excuses for anthony davis and no he needs to step up i well, like he's always been touted as somebody like i've acknowledged that he is very talented has tier one ceiling level talent but he's it's he's too inconsistent for that like I think I'm ready to just he if basically he's elite if he's tethered to LeBron and he's not somebody who can like there's no reason why Anthony Davis shouldn't have beaten or there's no reason that Anthony Davis shouldn't Uh, A team with Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook should lose to the tanking thunder, barely scrapped by the Rockets. Anthony Davis is considered somebody who is in the tier of big men of a Giannis, a Jokic, or an Embiid, and I never considered him that because he needs somebody like a LeBron. His offensive game, for as much as we like to like his mid-range and stuff like that, aside from the bubble, he's never really been in the elite category as a mid-range shooter awesome defender obviously can switch can guard the perimeter and things like that but he doesn't rise the tide of his team like I'm looking at the Sixers right now well they're getting trounced by the Knicks right now but Embiid's not playing but the Sixers have had guys in and out of the lineup Tobias Harris has been on the COVID list for like a week and a half now um Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But the Sixers have the best offense in the NBA. They're eight and two. And Joel Embiid, while he's still shooting like shit on offense, he his passing has improved. Anthony Davis has never improved his passing. Uh, he's always been a subpar passer. Um, Embiid's rim protection is, aside from go the best aside from Gobert, um, and a few others, he, he just rises the tide. And Anthony Davis, to me, a tier one franchise player. Lifts the tide of a roster even in tough circumstances, and that includes his teammate LeBron. That includes, um, and this is why Russell Westbrook isn't in that category and never was even in his prime, even though he won those MVPs. Like, this is where I want to see Anthony Davis prove to people that yeah. he's a tier one player. I'm
0: waiting. That's that's the other point I want to get to, too. To me, it's such a weird thing because we saw AD do it in new Orleans, like a- new Orleans AD was something insane.
1: He was, but I but wouldn't like, say and, he was a, and I don't, I don't want, I don't know if it's because
0: it, I don't want to keep bringing, I don't want to bring it up because I know how much it triggers you. And I know, and it triggers me too of the, the good stats, bad play or bad, te- good stats, bad team guy. I don't <laughs> think it's that.
1: Right? No, I don't I think don't it's think, that. No,
0: I don't think it's that at all. And I think like, I don't know where it is it comes down to a thing of like when 80's in his spots, like he, he does it in stretches. And I don't, I don't know if it's a personality thing or what it is. 80, AD, 80's ball handling and he can, and the way he gets to the basket, he can do it every single time. of just powering his way to the rim, but he doesn't do it. And he settles for that stupid fadeaway jumper on the baseline. <laughs>
1: you yeah. know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what
0: you're and talking you, about. And you're like, and, and dude, you're like easy. Boom. You have, I don't know who, you have someone, you have like a guard on you, drop step and get your ass in the paint. And the thing is that he has so much athleticism and so much strength and enough like ball skills around the rim where he is, once he gets the ball around the rim, he is close to unstoppable or you're going to have to foul him. Yeah. And it's a, I think it's a combination of the injuries kind of
1: giving him a He always has nagging injuries too. Yeah
0: it's the it's the injuries of like a weird like you know he doesn't want to get hurt again or he doesn't want to bang he'll have like two falls
1: a game where he gets up and he's kind of like gingerly walking and all that stuff even going back to new orleans
0: lakers lakers twitter said that anthony davis leads the league in heart attacks given um (laughs) yep the the thing is with ad is like i don't know if it's a combination of two things right it's it's whether or not he wants to bang and get hurt. That's why they run two centers. Cause he doesn't want to bang and play center inside. Right. Then it's the other combination of like his free throw shooting has dipped over the last like year and a half after the bubble and like severely dipped. And so like maybe he doesn't want to go to the line.
1: And that's it's why like, he's not a tier one franchise player to me. Like, yeah. Because... And it,
0: it goes on to the thing of like, he is, he is extremely talented, but saying someone's talented is just saying lost potential right? Like it's not, and the thing is like,
1: and it's, he's like an extreme case of that because like next to LeBron that that's the perfect running mate for LeBron, like 80 as a, he's an overqualified number two on a championship team. But if you're setting four bigs in front of me, Nikola Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, even with his injuries and Anthony Davis, I'm taking those three guys to start my franchise around over Davis. But it's
0: so, but it's so funny because the thing is, Jordan, we know who these players are, but if you put them in a bubble, you took the names off and you just put them physically speaking and like talent wise in a vacuum, dude, Anthony Davis is either first or second off that board. And the crazy part is like, he never lives up to that.
1: Yeah. He would be, you would be no. in the running. I would still say Giannis and Embiid's physical stature. Is... That's right,
0: but he's like he's like in that mix. Like, yeah, he's in not, the it's mix. Not like for a cl- sure. It's not like a clear. It's not like a clear. Like, well, actually, oh, I would take you're...
1: Jokic. You, you just can't. You can't. I the, can't. <laughs> the doughy. The, bu- <laughs> the, bu-
0: the doughy. Bu- <laughs> <laughs> the Marcus All and the Marcus archetype. <laughs> yeah, give me the give
1: me the Marcus <laughs> <laughs> So, the the
0: the, the on, side note: the best thing ever is watching like Jokic try to back down uh, Marcus All, and he's like, he's like are you using your doughy body again? I'm the original doughy boy. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's like the only
1: person that Jokic can't move. In the nba
0: yeah and the thing is like mark's mark's smart enough where he's always in the good for the right position so he can't like out or out like trick him. yeah he, he not only does he know tricks. the,
1: not only does he know the leverage tricks of a big boy he knows the he has the savviness of a veteran defensive player of the year guy yeah so but he but mainly like... he knows Jokic's leverage points he's like i've been as big as you i know what to do <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but
0: um, but yeah so like so going back to the Anthony Davis thing, like the, to me the Anthony Davis thing is so it's frustrating because again it's it's one thing if like I know what to expect from Anthony Davis, right? Like hey, if I know hey you're not that guy, great, but you show me stretches of like where you're unstoppable and you're the best player on the floor. Yeah, he's had he had
1: some of the best playoff games in the bubble, and that's my other thing too. Like was Anthony Davis's one his play in the bubble is that indicative of the player he is and also is his jump shot that good in the bubble yeah and so far it hasn't bared out that way especially last season and I know well, he's, he was season, injured some but yeah, last
0: season he was injured the entire year but though. outside
1: outside of that bubble if even if you go back to previous New Orleans seasons like it's oh, his shooting that, was never that good his never, shooting that. was never that good and that's my main like if Anthony Davis was that good like Joel Embiid, took the step from being a borderline top 10 player last year to being an MVP candidate because he worked on his mid-range game and became the best mid-range shooter in the NBA on top of everything else that he does so well. That's where he became a top five, top, top two MVP candidate. Right. But yeah. Davis has never reached that pinnacle. He doesn't shoot like Jokic or Embiid or put as much pressure on the rim as Giannis, who is probably the best rim pressuring big of all time, uh, historically, statistically speaking, like Anthony Davis is always just right there, and then he's not. And then when LeBron's out, it should be like spread it pick and roll, spread show. pick and roll with Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. That just sounds great in theory. Like on paper, that should work because you have shooter. Even with the injuries to like you know none etc tht even though he's not really a shooter um also like i think people are putting a little too much eggs into the tht basket like and i've done this a few times with other sixer players like oh you know if Zaire smith could just you know if he could get some playing time and get some minutes and all that um I'm not. I'm not saying Tht is a bad player. I'm sure he has talent. He dis, He there are times where like last year when he guarded Kawhi on the block and just took the ball from him as a defender. There's moments like that. But I think we're also putting too much. on THT. No, don't. I don't. I do all on him. Or at least I don't put all Lakers on Twitter. Is, no, I.
0: My thing with him is it. It's not so much him in particular. It's adding a guy that's not a minimum guy it's not on a vet minimum oh yeah that is there to one of our one of our three non vet minimum guys that solidifies our rotation yep cuz right now we're playing a lot of guys that should not be playing this many minutes
1: yeah austin, and that's your, sort of, our boy austin that, reeves
0: <laughs> austin reeves bro austin no he's reeves not my boy play. i'm just kidding he's your boy but austin reeves <laughs> austin reeves i'm not he's not my boy but austin reeves can play
1: yeah he can he can You shouldn't like, like but uh if you're talking about a fully healthy lakers team he yeah, probably he didn't as he probably didn't as see he probably wouldn't see the court if they had were fully healthy to start the year well
0: that's what, that's what i'm saying like there's a lot of guys that are playing right now that's why i, I feel like i don't want to judge them too much now just because yeah. like half the team's missing
1: <laughs> but boy let me and tell so you like, my uh my Lakers hatred that I had the first 18 years of my life, it, it's come back from the dead like The Undertaker in WWE. <laughs> it's come back. I I'm loving this. Also, we have to start being worried about LeBron. I think it's time to maybe start moving the conversation towards, look, he's 37 years old. He's played 19 years in the NBA. He's starting to get some injuries. Like, the injuries yeah. are starting... First it was the ankle this year. Now it's the abdominal strain. And I know people are saying like he could be back in a week, but other doctors are saying like that type of injury is a four to eight week thing. Like, so, so from, stuff from like what, that.
0: from what Laker insiders are saying that it's not actually that bad of an injury and he could play, but they want to play it safe. Yeah. Is what I'm hearing. And so that's the smart way to go. Right. Especially if these injuries are the, are you know going to be a bigger and bigger concern moving forward. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think for me it's a thing with LeBron where this is this is why I I'm like begging Vogel to put AD LeBron at the four five just so LeBron's he's not he doesn't have to run he doesn't have to like catch up with these wings right just put him down low
1: mm-hmm. let him
0: back down some people let him play the old man bully ball and he'll be fine it it saves legs let him do that Please. here
1: is the. Uh... Here is the net rating for Westbrook Rondo lineups. It's like negative 45, right? Minus 47.1 per cleaning the glass. An offensive rating of 93.5. Oh my God. (laughs) That is comically bad. And the funny thing is, like, everybody saw this before the year. Like, at least one of the things that was identified Westbrook and Rondo can't play together. You probably want to start Anthony Davis at the five now. Those are at least the two things. And Vogel has done, and look, I'm not, I am a dummy when it comes to NBA basketball compared to NBA coaches. I don't know shit uh, compared to NBA coaches, but I at least know that you can't pair those two together and and you can't start a fucking center next to Anthony Davis when you have Russell Westbrook who doesn't do well who doesn't do shit off the ball can't shoot in the lineup yeah like it's uh and also about... my overall. Like... sorry not to well, just one more thing for me i don't think i actually think i would be surprised if the lakers made the western conference finals this year so i would be sh- i would actually i wouldn't be shocked but I would be pretty I shocked. I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> I know LeBron, they have LeBron, but they also have the ultimate canceler, which is Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Like he, there's, there's too much evidence now. Like LeBron's going to be playing in a fucking phone booth in the playoffs would <laughs> in crunch time. And Russell like, Westbrook's just going to do nothing off the ball. He's going to wander towards the basket. He's going to get backdoor cut 50 times a game. Like he always does. Like I'm, I'm, and it sucks because I sound like a Westbrook hater and Russell Westbrook stands are like the, are like Kobe stands, but without the pedigree and probably without two the, times, without a reason with, and <laughs> probably two times more annoying, honestly, as than Kobe stand. Well, no, Kobe stands are bad. They're bad. Hey man, Re- I'm a Kobe stand. Hey, Kobe was. I, I hated. I days. hated the Lakers, but Kobe, like deep down, Kobe was one of my favorite players to watch. I, I, I mean, I was, I was a Laker hater, but I'll admit it. I liked watching Kobe. I took shit from him and practiced it in my backyard on my backyard court growing up. But Russell yeah, Westbrook stands, and I'm an Allen Iverson guy. Russell Westbrook has shades of Allen Iverson that I love. Uh, he has. Sh- qualities that I loved about Allen Iverson my favorite player ever but Russell Westbrook just does too many things that don't that aren't conducive to competing for a championship he cannot be one he cannot be your best player on a title team but now at at this stage in his career like I don't know man I I, I don't think the Lakers are getting past the second round that's my hot take but that's my early hot take that's fine
0: no, I, I, I don't think. I think looking at this team now, I would, I would have the same thing. To me, I want to see what they look like with. Oh, I think they'll play better. I think they'll like, play. I think they'll yeah. play better for sure.
1: I just even I, I'm taking that into account too. Like I know so they're, they're gonna. I know they're gonna play better. I, yeah, LeBron's gonna get healthy. The Vogels gonna figure out some different lineups and know what to play and what not to play. Even though, he shouldn't have done Westbrook Rondo from the beginning. Oh my God. Um, Westbrook,
0: dude, it, there's nothing more frustrating where I see Rondo checking into the game, and I'm like, alright, and then when they high-five the guy that they're tagging out, it's not Westbrook, and I go, <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> like, if, 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 when I watch games, and Ronda's coming in and he holds his hand up and I see the jersey walk up behind him. And it's yep. fucking Kent Bazemore. And I'm like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me?
1: <laughs> it's like whenever Dwight Howard would check into a game during the Hawks series. I'm like, damn it, Doc. <laughs> really? Dwight? <laughs> Again? Yo, um, I
0: will say, though, as as much as Dwight is like Dwight, I, I... Can we just, like, not have DeAndre Jordan anymore? I'd rather have Dwight. Like... Uh, I'm not sure
1: you'd rather have either also sorry one last Anthony Davis thing because I want to move off Lakers talk and talk about some other teams um Anthony Davis should not have been in the top 75 list that is also my other take I thought
0: I have I have I have him and Dame out of there they should not have been yeah
1: him and Dame should not have been in been in there Dwight Howard got snubbed I am sick of the Dwight Howard erasure yes he's annoying yes he's probably a bad teammate. Yes, he's he does weird shit. (laughs) Like he does weird shit that fractures a locker room. Dwight Howard was a top five player, legitimately, for like a five year stretch, and the best center in the NBA, and the only player to win Defensive Player of the Year three times in a row. I'm pretty sure it might have been Ben Wallace won four, and I'm I'm trying to remember if he won three of those consecutively, but. He is one of the he is the only player to win 3 consecutive defensive player of the year awards and was the best player on a fi- finals team. There's no way Anthony Davis should should have been on there or Damian Lillard. Dennis Rodman should also be on the top 75 list also because he was vital to title teams and was a defensive player of the year winner. The the top 75. So Rodman's on there. That's my only gripe with uh
0: Rod- Rodman's on there.
1: Are you sure? Yeah. I didn't see him
0: robin's on there I, i'm like 99 percent sure robin's on there the the to me the biggest snubs i my to make the list so much better in my mind is you take off ad and you take off game and you put on dwight and tracy mcgrady
1: yeah to me that's the- yeah t- tracy mcgrady definitely had a better at a better case for um uh, that, that, uh, top the, what killed him though, is that he never got past the first round, which is a yeah. fair, this is a top 75 list and there's going to be yeah. strict. There's going to be strict qualifiers. And I think yeah. holding that against McGrady is very fair. Um, yeah,
0: I put him in in that same like George Gervin kind of conversation where you're like George yeah. Gervin didn't do anything really but score, but like he was so goddamn good at it. Like yeah. you got to put him on there.
1: I'm just glad Allen Iverson made the list. Of course he was going to make the list, yeah, but there's a the there's an erasure going on from the pre- from the newer generation talking about how. Talking about his efficiency and his scoring averages in oh, the fucking in okay. the I fucking to, early two thousands when scoring was down yeah. everywhere and a fish to, league average was like this, yeah
0: I have to bring this up and I know you agree with me but I have to fucking rant about this because I'm so fucking tired of seeing it stop judging players by today's standards you motherfucking pieces of shit it does Bob Cousy is a seventy is a top seventy five player all time because of what he did in his era if you look at El, Elgin Baylor jerry west bob mcadoo all of these legends of the game respect your fucking elders okay and don't bring up fucking black and white footage to be like yo Kyrie would do some shit no Kyrie would get a fucking travel call every time because back then they had to dribble that way because that's how the rules were don't be a fucking piece of shit and i guarantee if you took any one of those guys and you put them in the modern nba today and you train them with today's standards they would be just as good as they were then so eh. don't fucking bring up all this bullshit
1: eh. Well, I I I I agree with what you're saying but if I had a top 75 list it w- a lot of the people from the 50s and 60s would be out of it I'm gonna be honest no like because the thing is like Jordan you can't it are I know you, you, you are can't you a- I know you can't erase history but you you
0: can't erase, and you you judge people by the greatness of their era yes
1: of course that's why Bill and the thing- as Bill Russell's in my top 10 and all that stuff yeah. but also if you extrapolate Bill Russell's numbers out i'm not saying
0: i'm not saying numbers i'm saying like if you put if you took bill russell and you made him a if you made him born today and you put him in today's kind of modern day nba system where you put you he grew up playing aau and college basketball whatever he's still a great player he with the benefits of today's knowledge and the way the game is played i'd say
1: he's a good player i mean he he was six nine in like he he's, he would still be 69. You probably have more efficient training and weight. That's stuff, what I'm saying. Like,
0: like with the weight with the weight training, like the player the great, greatness adjusts, right? Yeah. And the greatness adapts. And that's to me like what the thing is, when the, the thing that pisses me off the most is like when you see footage, like people bring up like Bob Cousy footage, right? And they're like, mm-hmm. "Look at the way they dribble." It's like, "Bro, did you know that was the rule back then? You couldn't turn your wrist. You had to flat palm the entire time. That's how dribbling was. That was the rule." Yeah, they dribbled that way because of the rule. But yeah, Um, no, that's that's the rule.
1: (laughs) And then, um, and but your point about you know bringing in like say you put Kobe or Iverson in today's era of spread pick and roll, okay, so take out James Harden from his peak, James Harden from his Houston days. If you put Allen Iverson in that shit and this would so let's go oh my so let's go Iverson let's go destroy those numbers. Let's go 2013-14 Rockets when the Rockets ran more pick and roll instead of just, you know, blindly chucking yeah. up threes and they went to complete Harden isolation. They actually ran some stuff. If you put Iverson in that James Harden spot, there is no way on God's green earth anybody would guard the Rockets. Allen Iverson was one of the best athletes in NBA history point blank, period.
0: Well, that was always that was always my funny thing when people when I think Maury was like, Harden's a better scorer than Jordan. And you're like, Bro, Well, he kinda had to nope. say that.
1: And also Yeah. yeah Maury's but a like, yeah. I don't agree with on, Maury man. on that. <laughs> like- I am you could you can count me in the in the party that did not say Harden was a better scorer than Kobe or Michael Jordan. Like that's fucking ridiculous i'm sorry my, <laughs> but,
0: my favorite my favorite one too was uh oh well, was people talking about magic johnson that magic johnson's overrated and i was like bro have oh, you seen f- oh my god have you seen the highlight like because people and i know you're a big steph guy but people are saying that steph's the best point guard ever and magic's overrated
1: he's because he couldn't but shoot he's second the second and worst, i was like
0: yes and i was like bro the thing like if you go back and you watch old like like i don't know if you've gone back and watched old laker games it's hilarious look it's hilarious to look at the spacing
1: yeah and magic was still one of the most creative passers ever while oh my god this is what annoys so that is one annoying thing that i have with kobe stands is that one kobe stands will say kobe's the greatest ever which i know it's it's fucking ridiculous but that he's the greatest laker ever magic johnson went to nine finals in 13 years he is the greatest so, laker.
0: Like So here I'm so sorry. here's my argument. So so I I would okay, uh,
1: I would my I it's not as egregious as I made it sound. But yes. I think Magic's the greatest laker ever and his career was cut short by HIV. Now Kobe yes. in terms of influence and iconic that's, status That's my point. Yeah. But if you're talking about player impact to a franchise bringing winning to a franchise it's Magic Johnson. Oh
0: yeah, no, it's Magic. It's Magic. So like to me, if I, I and he's the better,
1: I, he was the better player. He's on my, he's on my, he's in my top five all time. Like on my yeah. all time list.
0: So so here's my thing, because I I get asked this question a lot. It's the thing of like my Laker Mount Rushmore, right? And like, oh, Kobe has me, to be on there. No, so to me, to me, there's three people that have to be on it. It's it's Jerry West, Magic Johnson, and Kobe. Yep. Um, and then, uh, my my argument for them is like they're. Only, like they're all-time Lakers, they're only Lakers. They only play for the Lakers. Like that's like their legacy to the team means more than any any other player. The other argument that I make is like I don't know who the fourth one is, and I always slip off on the fourth one. But my point is like what you're saying as in terms of on-court impact, yeah, it's magic. Magic's the greatest Laker of all time. My thing is. Kobe's connection to the city of L.A. and to the to my to it's, my generation it's of the NBA
1: is you can't is yeah.
0: ridiculous. And so, like when you say when you say like greatest Laker, I always take into account like what he means to the city that's and fair. what he meant yeah. to, like my generation. Right. So, like to me, he's the greatest Laker of all time, just based on that.
1: Yeah, that's have, fair. I guess like, my annoyance is more argument. so my annoyance is more so with how quickly they brush magic to the side whenever i bring up magic because i've had that argument with laker fans in the past of like when they say kobe's the greatest laker ever i'm like "Eh, it's magic and he's like magic no it's kobe it's clearly kobe i'm like clearly like what (laughs) like yeah like magic johnson went to nine finals in 13 years like yeah he, he won finals mvp as a rookie he he had that infamous game six where he started center he didn't even know kareem was gonna be out before game six against the seventy sixers like yeah and he dropped forty two and nine and nine or whatever it was like magic's a top five player of all time like there is a cloth there's like a tier cloth like a tier of players in the NBA there's tiers in the all-time great list like magic's in the top tier like tier one and then of course there's for me there's michael and lebron at the top but like magic is right there um wow i'm blanking on my i'm blanking on my top five right now i'm gonna get killed but uh (laughs) to me it's i've now i flip i flip flop back and forth because i was a lebron is the goat after he won that bubble title but i would you could probably switch between michael and lebron and then you got kareem and then you got magic johnson and then i put tim duncan or larry bird or kobe those are like the three that are competing i was a tim duncan guy over kobe but you can can, obviously you can talk me into kobe and kobe has a case but like i have to do my i have to redo my top 10 because kevin durant's in my top 10 now but uh but yeah um we we got really sidetracked on that uh on that uh, conversation though yeah we got really sidetracked on oh okay so one thing that's also going on in the league today i guess we can uh, close it out on this because uh we've almost or an hour and 11 in um how do you like the product on the floor right now there's a lot being made oh my god i'm
0: in love with this
1: (laughs) (laughs) i am too (laughs) (laughs) it it's be the flow the flow of the game reminds me so much of the basketball i watched in high school like the 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 lack it's not just it's not just the fouling that they've legislated some of the fouls that they have legislated out that were called rampantly over the last few years it's the reviews because they changed the challenging rules where now everything in the last two minutes can be reviewed by challenge. I, I don't have to see any more players fucking twirling their fingers like they're going to make something appear out of a magic hat, Um, asking coaches to review something, or no, asking the refs to review something, to review something whether it yeah. goes out of bounds. Or the stupid shit that I've seen now is every one of them's involved Patrick Beverly too, where Patrick Beverly will bat the ball out, but if you slow-mo it... The ball clearly goes off of LeBron's hands or whatever with like barely like because Patrick Beverly bats the ball out of bounds, but the ball technically was in LeBron's hands last as the ball was going out, that type of thing. And so technically it's Laker ball. That's not the spirit of replay, dude. Like Patrick Beverly knocked the damn ball out of bounds. It should be Laker ball like that. That happened uh, in the 2019-20 season before the bubble or before the suspension of the season happened. It was like early in the season. And then there was another instance where that involved Patrick Beverly, like these constant reviews. I haven't seen a lot of them. Um, there was actually, uh, there was a game yesterday where that happened. It was the Lakers or the Clippers Hornets game where that happened quite a bit where they went to the review a lot because the refs were just being very liberal with the definition of a flagrant foul. And so they had to review everything. But that's the only game I've experienced with that. Whereas to the last three years, it's been just review after review after review. And that's the thrill of the basketball, right? That's one of the main thrills is the last five minutes of a game. We get to see who's the best players in that time, who's in the pressure cooker and all that stuff. And the flow just start, stop, start, stop. And I'm glad. I'm just – it's such a cleaner game. And – Defender and the refs are actually letting a little bit more stuff go than they probably should, yeah. but I think it's good. Like it gives the defenders at least a chance, you know.
0: Well, the the best thing I saw yesterday was someone like someone clearly fouled Harden and they didn't call it, <laughs> yeah. and like and Harden was bitching to the refs and I and I literally
1: quote tweeted just like yeah, karma's a bitch. Yep. Yeah, <laughs>
0: like it's so satisfying to see like, and it's the thing of like, dude, the everyone's saying because as much credit as they got for like it it the conversation to people that were pro like the the foul calls and stuff were like or like you know mainly hardened people were like hey don't hate the player hate the game like hey he's adjusted his game to play around this style so don't you know like this is
1: he. He's made the you can, adjustment. You can just you can just at me, dude. Like I, I, I no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no,
0: like he's like he's made the adjustment, right? Like that. That was the big thing around Harden. Was like, yeah, yeah he, okay, he's made the adjustment. Like he has, he should be rewarded for adjusting his game. So now adjust again.
1: Yep, that's what that's what the great players oh. do. They readjust, and so yeah, I uh, so. Yeah, okay, let, let I want to then, I want to explain my side a little bit as a Harden fan because I am one of the few people on the planet that's a James Harden fan right so I have there, I have were, cer- there were certain.
0: there were certain I'm not a fan I have a healthy respect for him
1: I just love the cru he's had some of the crop he's had some of the best crossovers and ankle breakers of the decade he constantly oh, yeah. cooks people on an island I love that part of it the free throw thing the foul drawing the the grifting I can't well one I'm not really one Just to talk because through. we have a we have a foul grifter on our team in Joel Embiid. <laughs> he kind he does <laughs> he does grift for fouls sometimes. But the fouling did get to a point where it was like, "Okay, you can't they're really like making a mockery of like James Harden early in his OKC career. He would do the thing where he would drive to the basket and then he would swing his arms under a defender who was trying to reach. I think that's smart. I think that's a clever way to draw a foul. The bullshit he would do where he would stick his, kick his leg out on a step back three or Trey young, where he would pump fake and then jump six feet forward into somebody Those type of fouls, those are are the fouls I I hate, and those were the fouls that players took advantage of, right?
0: And this is is the thing, I want to bring up, Harden became the poster child for this because of all the fouls that he was getting. I don't think everything Harden was doing was bad. Trey Young, to me, was the the most egregious one. It was egregious. The jump-ins were ridiculous. That he yeah. was using all of his vertical to jump into someone. <laughs> like-
1: yeah, and and a lot of shooters do did this too. Like a lot of shooters would do this. They would just they would pump fake and then jump five feet forward, and uh, they a few like four or five years ago they they uh, started they were supposed to call the where the shooter would kick out his leg and make contact, that's an offensive that's foul. The, they didn't really call that's that, the, that that often. That's the, uh, the, Reggie that's the Reggie Miller. Miller. The, that's Reggie the Reggie Miller. Miller they never really called the Reggie Miller offensive foul that much. But, like... Th- Which is
0: funny, because in the early 2000s, they were calling like, crazy.
1: But, like, remember, remember in the late... In, the like, 2010, when Kevin Durant started doing that rip-through move? Yeah. Um, on the block? I thought that would I personally thought that was clever. Because it was like, all right, if you have your hands... On my arms while you're guarding me, I'm going to rip through and shoot it. And especially because back then they would give the rip through shot. They would say that's continuation. And Phil Jackson, of course, you know, bitched about it and through the media and stuff and called out Durant. But um, they changed that rule. I thought it was clever. I thought some of Harden's foul drawing was clever and within the boundaries of the game you know like i said driving to the basket and swinging your arms under to try to get contact a lot of players try to in history would get contact through different ways to try to embellish it right yeah but like it just got too far out of hand and look well, it, I, it, I will
0: it, it say stop being, being creative
1: yeah it's not at the that problem. point at that point you're just it's like when you uh um, it's like when you discover a new it's like when you discover like the same it's like when you discover like a glitch in a fighting game that you can take advantage of like right yeah it's it's it like eventually it starts it becomes annoying and like well
0: it's the thing of like with the with so this is this goes down to the thing with the fighting game example because that's actually a really good thing you brought up the so fighting games to me infinites are great and i love the idea of infinites and glitches where like you can lock someone and
1: infinite like, infinite combos for those who yeah, don't know like what I, a, so I, I haven't played I fighting love,
0: game I love that concept right to me it gets tricky and it gets it it needs to be stopped when it's too easy to do
1: mm-hmm.
0: right like when it stops becoming something that is like difficult to execute or like something that is creative to execute and it's just like yeah hey, I just have to hit two buttons and you die where mm-hmm. like with with the the rip through stuff and like something else, like that's creative right it's creative and it's a way to make contact where there isn't like and, and the force contact. Manufacture
1: points. And all man- that.
0: Right. All that stuff. That's great. When you can just jump into someone after, like, pump faking, like, that's a little, that like, that's too easy. And it's the thing of, yeah. like, dude, you're not even trying to, like, hide that you're creating contact. You're just trying to create you're contact. You're just trying, trying
1: to grift of- at that yeah. point. And look, if, if for clarification, there's still, like, the foul where, you, the Chris Paul foul and the Trey Young foul, really, where you are going in a straight line and then you stop and the defender pops you from behind, that's still a foul. They're still calling that. So I want to
0: like, you can't, I can't stop my momentum. I'm fucking chasing you.
1: Well, I under, so you have to be able to play that, but I understand that one because the player does have a right to stop. The offensive player has a right to stop in a straight line. It's when you're drifting to like two or three feet, like Chris, who I forgot who did it the other night, but a point guard was uh, dribbling down the court and he sought out a defender and he backed his he he moved to the right three feet and backed his ass into a defender that was behind him and got called for the offensive foul. It happened in a sixer game. Yeah that I don't like. but like when Trey Young's coming off of a pick and it's a straight line drive and then he stops while the defender's trailing, I can kind of understand it. I'm not a fan of it, but at least well, that, it's within the it's within the confines of the rules. I guess is why I don't yeah, have a big deal with it.
0: I don't know if that, I don't know if that's a foul. Like that's just sealing your man on a pick and roll, right? Like that's just sealing the big, or like sealing your trailer. Like to me, that's just a normal thing of basketball. Like you stop yes. to see like, you you want to feel the contact on your hip because you know he's there, and then you you, you seal him in, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's when you get like open shots or that's how, that's like the main function of the pick and roll. It's like seal a defender in in game two. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the thing with me is like, it becomes, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it's a weird thing with me where Trey was complaining about this and I was, and he he had a quote where I was like, yeah, dude, that's just basketball. It's something like, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to dribble and people are bumping me. And it's like, yeah, that's basketball. Like, what? I don't know what you ex- what your expectation yeah. is here. Of like, what do you want? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Like,
0: they can't touch you. Which is like, what? At what point? What do you think?
1: That's yeah. Like, at some point, you have to give defenders a shot too. And that's my other thing with Harden. Int- I like how both of them were Trey Young's quote, especially about like they say they read the they read the rule book. Well, I study the rule book too. I'm on my book work also. Like. And I don't doubt that, like, players will try to find any advantage, but I'm yeah. ju- I am just love the image of Trey Young, like, with a rule book, <laughs> searching through the <laughs> NBA rule book with his reading glasses. I don't know if he wears glasses or not, but he has reading glasses on, and he's just in his house just looking at the rules after the uh, changes. He's like, hmm, okay, let's see. What can I do he, here? He has a red
0: pen with circling, like, <laughs> he things. has
1: a, He has a highlighter like he's studying for a <laughs> college exam, just <laughs> with, with highlighting it. it
0: he has one lamp. He has one lamp.
1: On. <laughs> yeah, he's sitting in a recliner and he has the lamp behind him, and it's just, <laughs> the rest of the room's dark. But he has that dimly lit lamp, and he's just reading. I'm, I'm <laughs> a cup of coffee. A cup of co- mug, a mug he's a like, coffee. all right. It, he he's like brewing his coffee, and he's like cracking his knuckles. He's like, all right, let's dive into this rule book. <laughs> his slippers on <onto> the rope. <laughs> 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 I could see Harded doing the same shit too, but no, um. Uh, I really like the product. Yeah. Like it's been, honestly, I've had a blast watching this uh, season so far. And look, maybe it's because the fans are back also. And like, we haven't had normal basketball in a calendar year, but it's been really yeah. refreshing and cool to see that, you know, at least defenders have a shot. Like, here's a crazy thing before we uh, go, I'm pulling up because uh last year, you know, a really good defensive rating was considered let's see i'm pulling up cleaning the glass right now and i love cleaning the glass because it takes out half court heaves and all that stuff and uh garbage time possessions the best defensive rating last year was 107.5 by the utah jazz and so now this year the that would be a 10 a 107.5 that would be the 14th best defense in the nba the best defense right okay. now is the Golden State Warriors with a 99.2 defensive rating. The Jazz 107.5 defensive rating last year would be fourteenth. I, I just love that there's a little bit more physicality. Also, as a post player, like, I love physicality. Oh, yeah. So, I I just, I <laughs> love, and I've seen Allen Iverson just bump into dudes all over the yeah. place. Like, the, those, those I hate to sound like back in my day, but like, Sports are not fun if there's not like a little physical contact to it. Yeah. And so that's where it got annoying.
0: Hey, let's turn back into physical contact a little bit because Embiid almost laid out fucking Lonzo Ball. (laughs) That,
1: that would, oh my God. I can't, like, obviously it was by accident. He didn't mean he was, he he almost, like, Lonzo has Morpheus like reflexes he like th- his vision his passing vision that came in handy because he saw that oh, swing and yeah. he he knows it, i could tell lonzo knows, knows how to fight too because he ducked the right way too like yeah. um you know when you're when you see a right coming you go to the left you know <laughs> oh, I say,
0: lonzo's a fucking badass too because he didn't even react he dodged it and kept walking
1: yeah he dodged <laughs> yep i was like oh man that would have been bad if Embiid had connected on that.
0: Oh, he he could have killed him.
1: Yeah, he could have yeah, knocked him out cold. Like, that was a. Uh, when you're that big, you can't do that type of stuff. I understand no. you're frustrated because you turned the, the ball, the same ball same same over, same but like, afterward? you can't be 7 2, 280 and swinging your fist around. Did he say anything about that? Did what? he make a statement at all? Uh, I don't. I didn't watch the post game, but like, you know, during the game, they showed him talking to DeRozan and Levine and yeah. basically like, you know, showing him like, like, dude, I was mad because I turned the ball over. I didn't even see him and stuff like yeah. that and all that. He, I don't. I have to watch the post game. I'm Yo, sure I he said something, I but
0: he, I don't think he did it on purpose. Like, oh no, I, he didn't. He obviously, didn't. But like, man, that was dangerous. Bro. That was. Oh
1: yeah, that was extremely dangerous. Like that could have been.
0: <laughs> he could have. He he honestly like, I would if if that connected, Lonzo would have had a fractured skull. Like he he could he could have seriously hurt him.
1: I think the top comment I saw on the Reddit thread for that was Embiid punched nothing but hair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. it, he barely grazed Lonzo's afro. <laughs> Bro. Yeah, that yeah. was a that was scary. A, scary. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Um you have a you have a kind of a heart out at 5:30? Yeah, um I great. want us to established we will not be here next monday but the next monday after that we will be back to our regularly scheduled programming
0: yeah Yeah. a lot of busy stuff will be done it'll be be a little
1: annoying because of the holiday season but we will be back to you know it's been a little bit erratic but uh we will be back to recording on mondays uh for sure or uh consistently posting every monday but uh you know obviously if something comes up holidays or whatever let you all know but uh work. we will be back uh not next monday but the monday after because i feel like the season is just going to keep getting more and more interesting hell
0: yeah all right guys thank you for watching thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next start next two weeks, two weeks
1: from now. the b.o.b Bye.